Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. In the Booth on a Monday, day of the last exhibition game for Orange Hoops before the season starts for real on Friday night, Orange Football. Back in the Dome for two of the last three, including a Saturday 3 o'clock start against Wake Forest. And hi again, everybody, and welcome in the booth. Playing hurt a little bit today, so we appreciate your patience with us. 437-7644, ESPN44, if you'd like to join in. Our guest on the show today is a little bit uh, of an unusual topic, but uh, anytime you have an opportunity to talk to somebody of his uh, background and uh Pedigree, you uh, look to do it. The letter winner distinction dinner this coming Thursday night will honor uh, five more uh, former uh, Syracuse letter winners. And uh, Rourke Denver, who you may remember as a uh, Syracuse lacrosse player in the mid-90s, went on to be a Navy SEAL. One legitimate BA, as Dino Babers would say. And uh, not just a Navy SEAL, but a trainer of Navy SEALs. Uh, literally the subject of and the author of books and movies about Navy SEALs and uh, what a story he must be able to tell. I'm not sure how much he'll be able to share with us, but we'll at least uh, take a crack at it with Rourke Denver coming up uh, a little bit later in the show and then uh, looking forward to seeing that whole group Thursday night here at uh, Goldstein Auditorium on campus, uh, the latest class of the Letter Winners of Distinction, which... Over time at uh, Syracuse University has uh, run the gamut from any number of achievement in uh, one's community and profession. Not to go uh, completely off tangent, we can do that uh, a bit later in the show, but uh, Syracuse doesn't have uh, an Athletics Hall of Fame. Maybe they could or should or will someday, but um, don't have a ring of honor or people selected purely based on their uh, on-campus athletic prowess. The uh, highest honor for now is the uh, letter winner of distinction, and you're not even considered until you're several years out of school. It has much more to do with the type of uh, citizen you are and the contributions you make to uh, those around you and who makes more of those than a Navy SEAL. And uh, Rourke Denver, who has been honored for his... uh, service to our country, his performance in combat, um, and then has uh, given back in a, a number of ways uh, to uh, certainly that prestigious group, maybe the most prestigious on the planet, the Navy SEALs. Um, he'll tell us about uh, his journey, and uh, we'll get him back to central New York a little bit uh, later this week. Well, Orange football, uh, dropping its second straight, falling back below five hundred with another 27-24 game, their third of the last four that have come to that same score. Game-tying field goal attempt from Cole Murphy, a 43-yarder at the buzzer, pulled left, just his uh, fourth miss of the season. He had two misses on the year prior to Saturday. 
had two misses in that game. One uh, deflected, and uh, the Orange played their cards right in terms of setting up the uh, game-tying field goal attempt. Had to have a lot of things fall in place for that to work out. Still had that shot at it and uh, a chance to go into overtime at uh, Florida State, and it was not to be as uh, Murphy missed and the Orange uh, are still winless on the road this year, winless since uh, October of last year, now six consecutive road defeats. They've got one more regular season road game this year at Louisville in uh, a little less than two weeks. It's a a week from this coming Saturday, which reminds me that uh, we have not yet gotten the typical Monday email from the ACC talking about the kickoff times of the games that are 12 days out. And uh, we'll be looking for that uh, for the Louisville game, just as point of fact. For those of you, it is just a a TV show. And I know you may not uh, be overly wrapped up in it, but we like to uh, pass along uh, that information as best we can uh, once we do know, and we'll share that, but I'm not sure what the delay is on that. Certainly, it could be what they call a six-day hold, which means they wouldn't uh, announce that until Saturday or the following Sunday of next week. That's what happened in this case with the Wake Forest game, which was identified very late Saturday night as a 3 o'clock start in the game uh, in the Dome this coming Saturday, and it's a game of significant import as uh, Syracuse looks to Uh, bounce back into the win column the last time home of course was the euphoria of the Clemson game and all that was associated with that but while that was backed up with a very good road showing a close game at Miami and another one you know right there against the talented team in Florida State it still is back-to-back losses and uh, with Dino Babers the idea of feeling all warm and fuzzy like you've just pulled off this big upset of number two Clemson, that has dissipated, and the Orange are going to need to find any way to win a game and get back to 500. You know, I think the big message is we're four and five, and we are no longer uh, can feel good about ourselves, and we've got to find a way to get back to 500. And uh, the next opponent's Wake Forest, and uh, we're looking forward to playing them. Wake Forest. Lost its last game, and they'll come in sub-500 as well, but uh, did score nearly 40 points in a loss uh, at Notre Dame on Saturday. Wake beat Syracuse last year in Winston-Salem in hurricane-like conditions, uh, maybe the perimeter of a hurricane. Um, So certainly that is something that's changed for this time around, but uh, a game that the Orange uh, need to win this coming Saturday at 3 o'clock as they take on Wake Forest. Military Appreciation Day, we made uh, mention of that. It's another reason uh, to visit with Rourke Denver when we have him on later in the show. That'll also encompass the Friday night home men's basketball game against Cornell, which is a uh, 7 o'clock start. And uh, as for the 3 o'clock game against Wake, lots of uh, sort of nods to the military and salutes to those um, women and men that have uh, served our country here and abroad with... uh, Participation from our friends at Fort Drum and uh, pregame ceremonies. Uh, coin toss will involve uh, military personnel. There'll be uh, about a thousand military uh, personnel and their families treated to a, a barbecue at Manly Fieldhouse early in the day on uh, Saturday and then bust over to the game. So uh, when you do see uh, somebody in uniform, 
on the weekend, put your arm around them or shake their hand and uh, thank them for their service. A lot of sponsored tickets uh, going out in this case, and thanks to those in the community that stepped up to take part at that, cuse.com slash military. Today is the deadline for military personnel to claim those tickets, so we hope that uh, all did take advantage of the chance to do that. You can join us by phone at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. If you've got thoughts on the game from Saturday, thoughts on what's ahead for Wake Forest, even Syracuse basketball, those are all far, fair game. The Orange tonight take on Southern Connecticut State in the Dome. John Wallace's son, Joey, is one of the best players for the uh, Owls of uh, Southern Connecticut State. Their coach is Scott Burrell, the former UConn Husky, and at one time a professional baseball pitcher as well. And uh, we'll talk about that over the course of the show here today as we continue. So when we come back, we'll get into the Florida State loss and whatever might be on your mind as well. You can call us at 437-7644-ESPN44. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Hummel's Office Plus and Dunn Tire are proud supporters of Syracuse football coverage on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Saturday, the Orange return home to face Wake Forest in the Loud House. Pre-game at one kickoff at three. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 and ESPN. Saturday, the Orange return home to face Wake Forest in the Loud House. Pre-game at 1 kickoff at 3. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back In the Booth here until 3 o'clock today. Rourke Denver, former uh, Syracuse lacrosse player, part of the uh, 1995 uh, National Championship team, a a team captain the following year in 96. We'll be our guest uh, a bit later in the show, looking ahead to the Letter Winner Distinction Dinner, which is Thursday night of this week, and we're looking back at the football game on Saturday in Tallahassee, ahead to this one in the Dome uh, this Saturday against Wake Forest, Orange Basketball tonight in the Dome, a 5 o'clock start against Southern Connecticut State, whatever might be on your mind as well, 437-7644-4ESPN44. Dave in Syracuse, patiently uh, waited through the break there. We appreciate that, Dave, and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I wanted to get your take on these away games we've had this year, and and they all kind of have taken the same script. We dig a huge hole, and then we're seemingly able to go up and down the field on teams as the game goes on. And Do you think it's more of a maybe not a great game plan to start, great adjustments, or same game plan and we just seem to settle down? and maybe lack the focus at the at the beginning of the game. So I'll hang up and listen. No, I appreciate it. You know, uh, I don't know that it is lack of – if it's necessarily lack of focus. It, it's definitely not – game. I don't think it's game plan at all. Um, but I, I do think there there's something to the fact – first of all, it's hard to win on the road, period. Second, um, it, it can't be a fluke – Right, Eric Dungey's thrown only a handful of uh, interceptions for the year. I mean, let's the uh, Miami game was a farce when he he threw uh, four, but the Orange been picked off. Dungey's been picked off in the opening possession three times in uh, in the nine games this year, and three of the last five, and all of those three that we're talking about are on the road. The last three road games. The first uh, 
series for Syracuse, first drive, has ended in an interception. So that's not good, and that's not a trend uh, that you're looking for. Um, what causes it? I'm not sure. I think th- that's such a small sample size that it can be a fluky thing. I think in particular the LSU was a uh, a formation that gave away uh, Syracuse's play and uh, a sharp corner broke on the ball and picked it off. NC State, I don't recall vividly. I want to say it was just kind of a bad throw and up for grabs. Um, the, uh, the Florida State game was a, a pick as well. Uh, early, the something's got to change. You've heard Dino Babers refer to. Maybe we need to warm up different. Maybe we need to f- find a different way. I think the team is clearly capable of getting going. It's just a matter of uh, the rhythm not being there in, in the first part of the game. For the record, Syracuse's defense has been mostly strong this year, and opponents aren't really doing any better against Syracuse in the first possession. Now, of late, they are. But you look over the uh, course of the season, the Orange have not forced any turnovers in the first. That's one thing, for as good as the defense has been, they've not had the takeaways in these recent games that they did in the first four. There was eight takeaways in the first four games, and uh, those have not come. But the opening possession for the opponent had been, uh, in the first three games, all punts. And in this, uh, I'm actually going to update these numbers here in a second. Uh, for for Syracuse, then this touchdown, this last time out, Florida State, uh, scoring in its first possession. The opponent has scored uh, on its first possession in uh, five of the last six games. Now, again, the preponderance of those are on the road. You're in this stretch where you're starting on the road. And, of course, in a couple of cases, because of the Syracuse turnovers, short fields. And so they've been in that hole. Um I don't think there's any denying it or or any uh, it's any great secret um, how it has come to be. Uh, I I don't know that I've got an answer. I, I don't know that um, the offense is more prone to uh, commit a turnover at the start of the game than it is any other time. But uh, it clearly is able to settle. Maybe it does come down to focus. Maybe maybe uh, maybe Dungey needs to get whacked around a little bit, and then you get that. Uh, Kung Fu spirit going, and he becomes a better player. So I don't know, Dave. You've kind of uh, talked me uh, around in circles on that one, and made made me think uh, that it it could be that you know just just that much that um, I, I think because of the the way the conventional ground game is with this team that they just can't hang their hat on coming out and running the football down your throat. They haven't been able to do that really in any game with the possible exception of Miami, who was uh, sold out against the perimeter passing game. And because you can't do that, well, how routine is your offense ever going to be? And you you feel like you need to create uh, in the passing game, which may lead to forcing, et cetera. So um, I wish I had a better answer for you. I think uh, those are questions we can uh, put in front of Coach uh, when we have the chance with with him later in the week. But – when I was giving those numbers there before, that didn't account the, the, the Florida State game. You look at the last, it's now been four road games in a row, all four road games uh, this season, that have uh, the opening series has been an interception. 
Orange are one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to points in the first uh, two possessions. And over the long haul, you like their chances. And I wonder if that a little bit comes into the fact that this past game there were some strategic uh, nuggets to kind of play over. And I know the fans get get worked up. That's part of what makes uh, sports fun is to think along with the manager and the head coach, et cetera. And so there were two in this game that uh, gave a lot of fodder for second-guessing or first-guessing. One is at the end of the first half, Syracuse elects to pass up a uh, chip shot, sure field goal, to go for a touchdown in the attempt to tie the game at 21-all at the end of the half. Obviously, they go for it. They do not get it um, on a play that got uh, blown up, and so they were sort of chasing those three points the rest of the way. I think we explained on the air at the time that that's Dino Baber's style. He's going to go for it with his uh, best punch, as we saw uh, really in the Clemson game. And you don't know that that three points is necessarily going to make the difference. I think in his explanation right after the game, look, we'd already scored more points to that point in the first half than we were used to. We were trying to get a little bit greedy and and get it to 21. He didn't have interest in that point in, in going into the break uh, down four. Um, obviously, the first quarter scoring has not been a, uh, a strong suit for Syracuse, and for that matter, hadn't been for uh, Florida State on the season going in either. But um, but that one, uh, my whole beef about the two kind of questionable decisions, we'll hear his comments on the uh, idea to go for an onside kick here in a moment at the end of the game, is I think both of those are basically 50-50 calls. And the fact they both kind of look worse, the first one at least at the end of the first half, looks worse in its uh, execution because the play that winds up being the last play of the half is a roll to the left, designed, reverse it back to the right for Dungy with three receivers flooding the right side after you've created some misdirection. Dungy goes back, back, back to the point where he was at something like the 30-yard line throwing the ball in the end zone. And then Florida State um, completely, uh, in turn, I don't know if I want to use, I will say the word stupid, it was stupid football in their part, tries to save the ball in bounds when there was no benefit uh, from their point of view uh, in doing that and nearly gave Syracuse another opportunity to catch that ball uh, in the field of play and keep it alive. Well, that wasn't, that's not the play that's called. You see the play work out poorly. That doesn't necessarily get linked with the decision or make the, the, the decision to go for it, uh, the wrong decision. The, could have called a different play, perhaps, but uh, nobody says, hey, we're going to go for it, and uh, what we're going to do is also we're going to have our quarterback fade back 30 yards and uh, throw the ball out of bounds. That, we're going to try to go for that for the touchdown. No, nobody is, is thinking that. At the end of the game, and, and I got at least one on, on Twitter, oh, Dino screwed it up again. Uh, you got to kick the ball deep instead of the onside kick. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I think the onside kick was justified here. Onside kick, which they did not recover, still got a stop, still had the chance at the game-tying field goal. Here's his explanation of why he elected not to just boot it away and try to get Florida State back deeper. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's only two thoughts to think about it. Your one thought is you kick it deep and and you hold them for uh, three plays and you have them punt it back to you 
uh, you know, somewhere past, somewhere in the minus 35, the minus 40, and you start your drive from there. Uh, they got a tailback that averaged almost 10 yards per carry. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. Our defense had been playing well, but the one thing I didn't want, I didn't want us to do is to kick that ball back to them and not have an opportunity to kick for the winning field goal. And that's what I kind of saw. I think it was a close call, but that's what I kind of saw if we just kicked it deep. And I said, you know, wait a minute. Let's, let's see if we can get this onside kick. We know the percentages are low. Even if we don't get the, the onside kick, if we stop them in three plays, we're still going to have an opportunity to kick for a tie. And if we kick for a tie and we get them in the overtime, then let's rock and roll. And uh, so it worked out to the ladder. We stopped them. They kicked back to us. We got the ball. We had an opportunity to kick for a tie and field goal. You know, you can, you can redo it on Sundays if you want. I thought we looked at all the options, and I think it worked out okay. Well, and I don't know whether this supports Baber's argument or the opposite, but the Orange are one of the best three-and-out defense teams in the country. So you could say, well, gee, you're really good on third down. Have some confidence in your defense. Kick it way back there. And uh, and know that you're going to stop them. Well, that might work out, but at least in an onside kick, you have a chance to recover, and then you go to that strategy. And so that's what he's saying. We wanted one chance to recover it, didn't work out. Now we play defense and rely on our defense to get the three and out, and you're giving up twenty, thirty yards uh, for the right to have a crack at recovering the uh, onside kick. Um, if you do kick it away. What Babers is saying there is now you're afraid that Cam Akers, who ran for 200 yards in the game, um, runs it right down your throat and either scores against you, which puts the game out of reach, or is able to work the clock down and take it up the field in big chunks or whatever it might be, but enough to keep the chains moving and you never really had a chance other than to uh, force the punt uh, to stop them or you let Florida State that late in the game get a tack on field goal that would give them a six-point lead, and now Syracuse would have to uh, go back to go for a touchdown uh, to tie and an extra point to win. So uh, both of those I thought were kind of 50-50 calls, and uh, Babers explained uh, his rationale on on both of those. If you'd like to join us, you can, 437-7644-ESPN44. Steve Ishmael, as uh, Max pointed out at the top of the show, is the ACC receiver of the week. Dozen catches for him. A couple of really big NFL-style catches, especially in the last drive. Um, Go-to man in terms of his sure-handedness, 143 yards. The 34-yard touchdown. Irv Phillips, 107 yards worth of receptions and 12 more catches for him. So he passes Alec Lemon to move into the number one spot as the all-time leading pass catcher at Syracuse. And uh, Irv still has at least three more games to play. So even if he caught only six balls for each of the next three games, and he is uh, likely to far exceed that, then he's going to uh, set that bar up there a bit. Um, Football's played a little differently now than most of the records in Syracuse football were written. Marvin Harrison would love to play in an offense like this and think of the number of uh, passes he could have caught with these uh, types of plays being called and uh, the quarterback accuracy and the, the quick game, uh, the way it's played now, but uh, it uh, wasn't when he uh, played here. And guys like Irv Phillips and Ahmed Atawo and uh, Steve Ishmael are going to be the ones uh, benefiting from that, and you'll see their names uh, prominently 
uh, throughout the record book. So uh, congrats to uh, Irv and to Ish, uh, both guys that uh, are quality leaders on this team. And the Orange are going to need to regroup. I think any of that, uh, yes, in the big picture momentum of the program, no question the Clemson win uh, still has stood up. Lots of good things uh, coming from that. But uh, the team needs to back it up and uh, will attempt to do that against Wake Forest this Saturday at 3 o'clock. Wake is a team that's uh, benefited from a uh, veteran quarterback now and a coach that's from upstate New York. We'll have Dave Clawson on the show a little bit uh, later in the week. Looking forward to uh, getting into the nitty-gritty of uh, that game uh, in due time. And I think the military appreciation aspect of it will uh, sort of turn things in the right direction where Syracuse needs to take advantage of uh, sort of the the dome field atmosphere. Going back to the caller, uh, Dave from Syracuse, the Orange's performance at home in the first drive has been significantly better on the road. We talked about on the road, it's been interceptions on the first possession four times in a row. At home this year, first drive, touchdown against Central Connecticut, a punt in the loss against Middle Tennessee, a field goal against Central Michigan, a field goal against Pittsburgh, a touchdown against Clemson. Obviously, uh, you get off to a good start. Better things come from it. The Orange have been very good in the start of the second half in a lot of their games, but uh, have played from behind. When you play from behind against teams with talent as good or better, which is uh, most of the teams in the ACC, then you're looking for uh, some sort of miraculous performance. Eric Dungey's got a bunch of those. Steve Ishmael's had a bunch of those, but uh, that's what is a recipe right now for coming up just short. Back with more as we continue in the booth. Rourke Denver, former Syracuse lacrosse uh, player, on to be a Navy SEAL and a letter winner of distinction, honored this week here on campus. He'll be our guest as we continue on the show. You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. If you believe that an athlete, a high-profile athlete, is on scholarship and therefore that's good enough, then you must think your rotary phone is good enough at home. I've got a phone and it works fine. Things advance. We have technology. I have a phone that also can connect me to the Internet and I can read emails and get text messages and all sorts of great things like subscribe on iTunes to the ESPN Syracuse page. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care. A 30-year-old nurse is facing felony charges after getting into a physical altercation with a cop at a University of Miami football game. Police say Bridget Freitas slapped the detective while being escorted out of the stadium. On Saturday, the officer responded by punching her in the face. This was all captured on video, which is now being reviewed by police. Yeah, that's not a good deal. Matt Rowe was at that game. I think we'll have him on tomorrow's show to to uh, break that all down after the second exhibition here tonight. Have you seen the uh, but video? But people get, uh, I haven't seen the video. No. I, I saw the video. There's people no, do stupid things at games. There's no real um, audio attached to it except for some uh, oohs and ohs in the crowd. Oh, I know what I'm, I know what you're talking about. I have seen this yeah. now. 
I mean, it's it's brutal. Yeah, she looked like she uh, needed to be restrained. She had a few. You could tell. I don't yeah, know I don't. about the hit to the head, but she, yeah, she paint she paint brushes the officer in the top of the head, and the officer, yeah, kind yeah. of. Uh, I don't want to say Dector, but... How about don't hit people? Yeah, don't hit people. Don't drink. NBC Sports soccer analyst Kevin or Kyle Martino is leaving his network gig to run for the presidency of U.S. soccer. Martino is now one of seven people seeking the voluntary unpaid job. On deciding to run, Martino says U.S. soccer is at its lowest point in its modern existence and a change is needed in vision, ambition, and direction. I wouldn't know Kyle Martino if he was in this room. Uh, I love his work on NBC. <laughs> I uh, I do like people that are in the solution business, though, and so a lot of these people pop off about how and why we should be better at soccer, but I'm ready for somebody to, if you got an idea, jump up and do something about it. Take the position. Um, obviously going to have some other uh, source of income because uh, this, this is one of those jobs where it's not like, you know, voluntary and unpaid, and then you don't, um, you know, it's not like, you put in the hours of a voluntary and unpaid. You put in the hours of a full-time job and then some. Uh, these are emeritus-type uh, uh, positions, so that's a, that's a real job. And uh, you're obviously not paying for a lot either, I would think. And uh, and I hope he – whatever. If he's the guy, go for it. More power to him. i got to get a job covering soccer at NBC. It apparently pays <laughs> very well that you could just get pack up and – Or not so much. He's walking away from it. And finally, basketball legend and TV analyst Charles Barkley does not believe vegetarians exist. During a discussion Thursday on TNT, Barkley said, and this is the exact quote, there is no such thing as a vegetarian. Nobody doesn't like meat. <laughs> I'm with him. <laughs> I get it. Uh, here's the, the little hair we have to split with Charles. It's not that vegetarians claim to not like meat they just don't eat meat for various reasons right there could be plenty of people who would would prefer if all else being equal they would prefer to eat it but for health or ethical reasons or whatever it is opt not to teach their own right what's he care that's more more steak for the rest of us there was a a survey in the article three percent of americans identify themselves as full-time vegetarians Sounds about right. Isn't everybody a part-time vegetarian? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think that's that. No, to say you eat vegetables doesn't make you a part-time vegetarian. Unless, you, oh, like for this minute, I'm I'm eating no, <laughs> no. I think people that are committed to uh, not having uh, meat in their diet or animal products in their diet, you know, that would be vegan, right? If yep. you're going even more so, any sort of because then that incorporates the dairy and the yeah, that's hardcore. Not for me, but uh, I respect the right of people to uh, operate as they choose. I do, too. Just their... don't be pushy with it. Yeah. I mean, you're not a whole lot of fun to uh, go out to dinner with. <laughs> I'm in a real mood for a burger now. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know they'd be riding shotgun with Polly at <laughs> every fast food restaurant up and down 81. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. All right, let's move it along. We'll get uh, a real... Meat Eater in here. Rourke Denver will be with us when we come back. Former Syracuse lacrosse star turned Navy SEAL. Letter winner of distinction. He'll be with us on the other side in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Sunday, the Giants travel to San Francisco to face the 49ers. Pre-game at 325. Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. 
This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth, brought to you by CNYRealtor.com, CH Insurance, and Burdick Ford. We thank them for being along for the ride. We thank you as well for joining us here until the top of the hour, about 10 minutes from now, and we're very uh, privileged to be joined by Rourke Denver, one of the uh, five letter winners of distinction on campus here Thursday night, former uh, Syracuse lacrosse uh, star back in the day and part of the national championship team. Uh, Rourke, thanks for the time. Uh, appreciate you coming on and and uh, looking forward to seeing you back on campus this week. I can't wait. I appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to it. When was your last time here? Uh, so a couple of years ago, or I guess just over a year ago, we had the 100th anniversary yeah. of uh, Syracuse Lacrosse. So that was uh, that was my first time back in quite a while. So that was a you know obviously a great reason to come back, and uh, I'm excited that I get to reload so quick. Now uh, I should say just like a little bit of an inside joke among uh, my peer group in college. We're all here about the same time, Rourke. I was I'm a '97 grad, so uh, a year behind sure. you. And yep. Um, yep. Back in that day, when before everybody had cell phones and you're actually making direct calls to people, when we'd call somebody at work and you had to leave a message as to who called, we used to mix in random call like who, who called Rourke Denver called Christian <laughs> Christian Photopolis <laughs> called uh, Ira Vanterpool. So like when you dropped in those names, um, Rob Kavavit, that then whoever was on the other end, they would know who to who to call back. But the person who answered the phone would would think it was funny. Right, right. Oh, I love it. I love it. So that that was that was our thing. But um, yep. your story, we want. I don't know how much you can actually tell us, but we want to uh, get into it a little bit. How did you? Uh, what was your immediate post college path? How, how does one? I guess we kind of know how one becomes a Navy SEAL, but at what point did you uh, set out that that was that level of service was for you? Yeah, it was it was in um, the fall going into the spring of my senior year. So, you know, played all four years. My senior year, I'm a I'm a captain and we're, you know, staring at another, you know, run towards the title and kind of getting after it as we did for I was lucky all the years I was there playing. Uh, I was a fine arts major at Syracuse. I was much more, uh, uh, you know, arts and and literature type guy as opposed to a math and science type guy. I knew a lot of guys were going to maybe head down to you know, head down to the city, get into finance and do some of those things. I, I just didn't feel like that would be a good fit for me, certainly right away. So I knew I, knew I wanted to keep getting adventures and playing rough and all the good stuff. And the, the SEALs uh, sounded like the right fit. Well, th- there's no question that they are. And, you know, all the people that played for him uh, talk about the different approach that Roy Simmons Jr. had to coaching that really we haven't seen a lot of before or since. And hearing your background and your interest, did did you have an especially uh, close connection with him? It sounds like you guys really would have clicked. I did. I mean, you know, both both with the fact that I had a little bit of a, you know, artistic nature, which is obviously his, you know, kind of fun, foundational uh, personality type. And then, you know, he's aggressive and he, he, he loves to talk. He loves to lead and tell stories. And, you know, playing for him really was anyone that played for coach, um, you know, whenever they have an opportunity to kind of return the favor and, and throw credit his way, they do it. It just was otherworldly what it was like playing for someone that focused so little, almost the point of saying not at all on lacrosse and more so on how do you motivate young lions to come together, um, believe in themselves, believe in the program and the system, what we had. Now we, we obviously enjoyed some of the best talent in the country, but I, I am 100% positive. We won the string of championships. We won with him because we believed we were meant to do so. And that, that was from his motivation and his fire that he lit under us. So he, he, he was, um, 
far exceeded, and not all the great coaches are this way, but, you know, he far exceeded being a lacrosse coach. Um, and, you know, I just think all of us that played for him feel like we were kind of born uh, from his intensity and, and um, uh, the special nature of who he was. It, it was it was a guest to play for him. Rourke Denver, our guest, and uh, part of the Orange program in lacrosse when uh, the Final Four was a, a habitual thing year after year. And so being a competitor and and learning that and exercising that on the lacrosse field had to have given you a head start into military service. And, and I'm interested, and we can talk about your experiences there to, to whatever extent you can share them, but the, the idea that then now that you've been around the world and you've been in combat, um, how do you view sports now? And, and when you speak as a, a motivator to uh, to teams and, and corporations, what, what are your messages? Yeah, I mean, I think I think athletics couldn't be a better foundation for life. I, I really believe that on a on a very fundamental level. It just you know athletes. Uh, work hard and struggle and, and suffer to achieve a goal or a level of preparedness to do well when they're called on. And, and, and then you build a system of steps of, of workouts and practices and learning that gets you to a good result. And then you like to compete. It's the nature of what you do and you hopefully compete to win. Uh, you know, you take good lessons from victory. You take better lessons from failure. Um, so I, I think sports translated remarkably well into the military. And certainly um, lacrosse was a perfect background. You know, lacrosse team is very much um, or you can see the easy parallels I'd make between a lacrosse team and a SEAL team. You know, lacrosse has a lot of specialty to it, right? So you got face-off specialists, goalies, attackmen, defensemen, long stick midfielders, all these all these folks that play, you know, very unique niche parts of the team, and then they all come together, you know, ten strong to go to go, you know, try and win a game. Uh, on a SEAL assault team, is the same way. We got communicators and medics and snipers and and, uh, uh, you know, all these different skill sets that then come together and, and win the day on the battlefield. So I don't think I could have p- picked a better sport than, than lacrosse as a foundation going into special operations. So that, that translated unbelievably well, and, and, and we could talk more about that. Um, you know, if you have questions about it, I can actually talk about more than you, you realize. The stuff that I can't talk about isn't all that interesting anyway. Um, but when I talk to kind of the corporate world now as a, a consultant and a, a leadership and high-performance team mentor, I, you know, I just talk about um, I mean, I hit lots of subjects, but, you know, training's a huge one. How much are you willing to, you know, sweat in peacetime so you don't bleed in war? How much are you willing to sacrifice and work to be ready for when things um, go south? To think of the organization um, as being bigger than yourself. You know, when I played at Syracuse, I didn't feel like, um, you know, we didn't have the names on the back of our jerseys. We played for Syracuse, and everyone that stood there um you know, wasn't just just playing for themselves. They're playing for the playing for the brand and the the, the um, legacy of that program. And you know, I, I kind of tell pro companies and, and and leadership teams if you can if you can get your folks to do that, they're going to really put their passion into it as a, as opposed to just trying to earn a paycheck. Rourke Denver, our guest. We got a little less than two minutes left, Rourke, and we'd love to hear uh, some of your stories. That Rourke uh, was awarded a bronze medal, more than uh, two hundred uh, combat missions. Um, what is it, Rourke, that you've that you've seen out there that has taught you about life, or that that you can share with the rest of us? Yeah, you know, my time in, on the battlefield. I mean, I spent time in Iraq, Afghanistan, East and West Africa, and, and other kind of uh, you know international hotspots. And the, the thing you realize is that um, what we enjoy here in this country is, is worth fighting for. It's, it's worth dying for. I mean, we uh, we are. You know, when they talk about American exceptionalism, I don't think about it as us being saying we're 
we're exceptional. We are the exception in the world. I mean, the way um, you have opportunity in this country, the the blessings we enjoy every day, the freedom, the um, the safety, even in, in spite of, of the world's um, imbalance, it would seem, this place is unique. And, and having seen all the ugly parts of the world, you just realize how blessed we are to be here. So I feel lucky to have taken my time on the line serving and, and, and fighting for that. I hope we continue to do so. I hope we're willing to keep fighting for what, uh, you know, what we stand for, what we believe in. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, our enemies are wrong. They just certainly don't value the same things we value. So I feel very, very lucky and humbled to have been a part of it. Uh, the fact that I, I brought Syracuse with me the whole time, you know, being an athlete and a competitor served me well in the fight and I uh, just feel lucky to have been a part of it. Awesome stuff, Rourke. Uh, out of time for today, but looking forward to seeing you on Thursday. Safe travels, okay? Hey, thanks so much, brother. Rourke Denver, onward is his mantra. We all should uh, live from that. Can't wait to uh, catch up with him and get more of those stories. Back in the booth tomorrow at 2. Basketball tonight. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.